Hey guys, how's it going? Slightly less formal format today. I'm actually driving and I gotta um, do this while driving. So if you hear some random noises in the background, that's why. Um, so today I want to talk about OCD and play. These are the two opposite ends of the spectrum. I heard something recently about what happens when we're sleeping. And when we're sleeping, um, they were saying right before you fall asleep that your brain synapses or, you know, your brain is basically firing like 10 times a second. And that the deeper into sleep you get, the more your brain slows down. I think they said to about one time per second. And only after that happens, only about 90 minutes of sleep, do you enter what they call REM sleep. And during that time is when all your dreaming happens. And I found this really interesting that dreaming would happen after your brain has considerably slowed down. And I think that there is something in that that is a... Uh, a teachable thing when it comes to how to live all of life. So for many of us, we don't ever feel safe enough to really calm down, to really be at home in our skin and in the world. And as a result, um, we often feel that the way to get out of the negative place we're in is to push harder and work harder and push everything farther and harder and to just push keep pushing but that if our life is anything like our body that our body only dreams after it's slowed down that our body needs to considerably slow down before dreaming starts if you're depressed at work or depressed at life and you need innovation you need a jump start of new ideas of new thinking of new hope then Pushing harder is probably not the way out. That might actually be the way further in to more pain. But that play is the way out. Even someone who's trying to cure cancer, that play is necessary, that leisure is necessary for that person. Because leisure is when we start to have new ideas that leisure is associated with exploration, that exploration and innovation are very closely tied, that if you need a new idea, if you need a new source of hope, that if you need new life sewn into something that is old and tired, then leisure, that exploration, that slowing down and exploring safely is very possibly um, an element of how you get that. There's a musician named Porter Robinson who's an electronic musician, and he talked about how after he had a huge success with his first album, that he had so much anxiety to repeat it that he couldn't create music anymore. That for years he was basically in this like hellish trap of anxiety where he was tried every day, for hours every day would go in and try to work on music, and he said all of it sounded the same, all of it sounded bad, because it was just forced and that the only thing that worked was after years of going down this weird uh, cycle of anxiety that he eventually just broke completely and thought he would never write another song ever again and that that breaking was the first part of what became his new album an album which I, which I think is incredible but that's neither here nor there but the point is, is a good one and that is if you're worn out then how could you have a little bit of leisure, a little bit of exploration, 
that if you need to innovate some new hope, then you need a little bit of time to slow down. That it will not come by speeding up, but by slowing down. So the thing that I want to talk about next is OCD. You may say, yeah, that all sounds great, but I can never do that. I am never safe in my head. I am never safe in my life. It is always a war zone in there. And if I could live any other way, I would. So that leads me to this. What lies prop that up? If some people live in peace, if some people live in joy, and we aren't one of them, then what lies do we believe that they don't believe? Do we believe, perhaps, that the world is riding on our shoulders, that when we fail, everything fails, that when we succeed, everything succeeds? Do we believe, somehow, that we are supposed to be God? I think about the scripture that um, the goodness of man is, is as filthy rags. It's something Paul said, that you know when we're really on the straightest and the narrowest, that we're nothing close to where God is. That sounds like a condemnation, but it could be a liberating idea. It might be saying this. If our very best is not close to God, is not uh, that in our very best that we are not God, then maybe we are looking down the wrong road. That maybe, see, and I, I don't know how you grew up, I don't know what you struggle with, but for many religious people, we don't let God give us anything. I went decades almost. Yeah, I, I went 15 years without ever letting God give me anything. No love, no grace, no mercy. I would not accept it. I would not take it. I did not have it. Now, I was on the straight and I was on the narrow. And people could tell that. And people patted me on the back for how moral I lived. But I did not let God give me anything. No mercy. No grace. Every failure must be worked off through self-loathing, through performance addiction. That is how I lived. And it was hell in my head. And when I am not doing good today, it is still that way. I read a piece yesterday about... Um, scrupulosity, which is basically just moral OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder about moral things. And this is something that I've struggled with. And one of the ways out, he said, was to intentionally divert your thinking. Sounds stupid, but it's, he said, you know, in the moment when you start to spiral into compulsive thoughts of, oh, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do the wrong thing? When you're spiraling, that just change the channel. Um, the second thing was the 85% rule. He said this. It's really fascinating. He said if 85% of people in your walk of faith are okay with something and you don't, and you know, and it's normal and okay, then don't be so arrogant to think that it's not okay for you. A weird example of this is I sent a podcast, a, uh, a podcast about um, these spies, a really awesome spy story. I sent it to my pastor, and I said, "Hey, I think you'll like this," and uh, you know, and he and he did like it, you know, and, and it's a, a really good podcast. But then I started to feel guilty for for listening to it because it had a few, you know, kind of heavy subject matter or something. I mean, this is how this is how insane, uh, you know, my brain has been at certain times. I sent it directly to my pastor and thought, "Oh, he'll enjoy this." 
But when I enjoyed it, I felt as though there should be guilt associated with that. This is not sane. This is not trust in God. This kind of walk with God involves no trust. And I'm not even sure how much you can really be close to God without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I think all of that comes from a fear that God does not love us, that He is not good, because life is suffering, and the things don't seem to go together well. If you struggle in this way, the first thing I would do is, I did an episode called Questions That Keep Me Up at Night, and I had to put some pieces together before I could really start to um, view God as loving, as merciful, as good. And if you have some broken pieces that are not allowing you to view God that way, then you will not have peace, if you're anything like me. So maybe go back and listen to that, and if those hard questions are questions that you needed uh, put into place before you can really see God as anything but um, merciless, um, then that is perhaps part of what is propping up an OCD relationship with anxiety. The second thing is, so the first thing is, do you have broken parts with God that you are not addressing? Do you actually think he hates you, hates us, and does not love us? And uh, the second thing is, do you think that life is about you or about me? When you fail, the life, you know, the world changes almost not at all. When I fail, the world changes in a very tiny way. And when I succeed, it changes in a very tiny way. My whole life is a drop in the ocean, and that's a good thing, because that means that it is not all on me, that I am sewn into a fabric of great other people, that every one of you listening, and every other podcast uh, along these lines, and every other person uh, who believes the things we do about God in life, that we are all sewn together, and that we do not all fall when I fall, and we do not all succeed when I succeed, that I am a very small piece of the puzzle. So number one, do you have unanswered uh, problems with God? Number two, do you think that life is surrounded around you, around your success or failure? You know, before I was married, I was hyper neurotic about never being able to be married and very insecure. And that, you know, was one of the biggest things to deal with uh, to, to get married. And um, so I knew that I had to chip away at that by doing things every day. Um, that I believed in, that I thought were uh, fit the shape that I have, including this podcast. Do you have things that uh, that you should address that would cause you to feel competent? I knew that even if my wife didn't care about this podcast or didn't care about the albums that I wrote, that I still had to make it and I still had to write the albums because she would care if I had a level of um, appreciation for my own life a little bit of confidence and that that is earned that if you could snow other people by telling them a big story maybe that would work but it doesn't work with you you have to earn your own respect and is there a small thing you could do today small enough that it's real that you would actually do it to uh, to go in that direction and um and then you know the last thing is just trust what do people that live in peace have that we don't? They have trust. They have trust that life is not about them, that death does not ride on their shoulders, that 
life is just not about them. That we are just very small players in a very big story. And that we should trust that God can make good of where we are right now. What are things that keep us from peace? What are obsessive, compulsive thoughts? And how do we leave them? We leave them by deprioritizing our own faults, deprioritizing our own successes. Life just is not about us. The things that are good about life will not go away if you died, and the things that are bad about life would not go away if you died or if I died. We do not hold this up. And that does not mean that we are not important. It means that we are not God. If what Paul said is true, that the greatest that we accomplish is like filthy rags in proximity to the real thing, then perhaps God is not trying to get us to be him so that we can be little dictators. Perhaps the joy and the meaning and the continuity and peace of life is by getting close to him and that the reason for moral living is peace, is internal continuity. Years ago when I was trying to leave the black hole that is pornography, the only people's uh, you know, testimony that really helped me leave that were people that were not religious. That when I saw non-religious people talk about the benefits of not living that way, of not giving in to that impulse, that I started to see that the God of the Bible is the God of the world, that is the God of earth and gravity, that even people who were not religious still had the same benefits, that they still saw a enrichment of life when they left this particular vice. And anything you can do, whatever you're dealing with, anything you can do to show your own cynicism that and to go around the shame. You might have so much shame associated with your walk with God that you can't really see anything for what it is anymore. And so maybe if you can find ways that people who don't even believe in the God of the Bible still have the results reflected in their life, even though they don't believe, that those things are the things that changed my life because it showed that God was merciful and that God was the God of everything. Often in Christianity, we use the sort of moral rules as a weapon rather than as an explanation. I believe that when the Bible says that a sexual sin is a sin against your own body, that it is not saying, hey, you know how you go do that sexual thing and it doesn't hurt you at all? Well, it should hurt you, and if you don't feel bad, you should feel bad. That's a lie. All of that is a lie. The truth is, if you go do those things, it will have an effect on you. If you aren't intelligent enough to be able to see the effect it's having, that doesn't matter. It is still having an effect. And the scripture saying that it is a sin against your own body, whether you believe in God or not, is an explanation of how things are. It is not a weapon to add something artificially that is not there, but it is rather an explanation of something that is there, whether you like it or believe it or not. The God of the Bible is the God of gravity. We often will lower the standard of the Bible so that you don't meet it, but I just barely do. But there is nothing godly 
or biblical about that. In fact, that is the beating heart of evil. As we go from here, I hope that this has been of use to you, and that if you're stuck in a negative rut of obsessive, compulsive thoughts, remember that God is not scared of the big questions. He's not scared of your anger towards Him. He's not scared of anything that is breaking down between you and Him, or between the pain of your life and how you thought it would go. He's not scared of anything. Bring that to Him. Yell at Him. Cry at Him. Do whatever you have to do, but do not run away, because there is nowhere else to go. And then two, life is not about your failure. Life is not about your success. It's just not really about you at all. And that's a feature, not a bug. That's not only not a bad thing, it is the one thing that gives us peace. May we live in continuity with the kindness of God so that we can feel close to Him and so that we can use our brokenness as a tool to bring those closer to Him as well. As Lewis once said, the harshness of God is softer than the kindness of man. His compulsion is our liberation. I want to leave you with a few final thoughts. These come from Ted Witzig. OCD wants you to believe that uncertainty is dangerous. Uncertainty is uncomfortable, but it is not dangerous. Feeling peaceful is not the same as being at peace with God. Something that you'll find almost universally among Christians who do not experience the mercy of God, who only experience the wrath and the justice, those that do not experience or allow themselves to experience the mercy of God, you will find that they end up being very arrogant and prideful and competitive people. This is not because they're evil, this is because competition that being the best, being the most moral, being the best is the only positive emotion they have left. That when you do not accept the mercy of God, that pride is the only hint of satisfaction left in the world. But should we run to his feet and say, I'm scared, help me. He desires to give us a spirit of love, power, of sound mind. I love you guys.